Well, aren't you glad it's Christmas? I hope you are, but I want to warn you this morning that Christmas time, the Christmas season, can be a dangerous time. And I'm not just talking about shopping and the danger that's out there just up the road or the spending that you might do or the overspending. It's not a dangerous time just because of the extra travel or the relationships that uh, you may have developed or that you've been avoiding and will cause a collide at Christmas time. The danger is in the Christmas story. We hear it year in and year out and it can become familiar. It can lose its significance of the actual message behind the Christmas story. We can overlook the amazing parts of the story. And we have talked about this as a staff, and we've been praying, and we've been collaborating, asking God and the Holy Spirit to kind of direct us uh, as a team. And we've said, uh, said, God, show us what you would want us to present this year. And really, our hearts have been drawn to the nativity. And so the next three weeks, and for Christmas Eve, we're going to focus on the nativity, and specifically, we're going to focus on the stories that surround our Savior. And so that's going to be our theme. And we will look at the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and Jesus, of course, right? And each week, week in and out, we want to challenge, uh, we want to be challenged with the story and to really have a fresh perspective to see the stories again for the first time and that's our heart and with that I want you to turn with me to two different places and you're going to want to keep your fingers there the first place is Luke chapter 2 and then the second place is Matthew chapter 2 all right but we'll start in Luke 2 here momentarily and then Matthew 2 as well and as you're turning there I want you to understand that there are two accounts of the nativity that we're going to look at today and they, uh, at first look, they are totally different, but we're going to look at the similarities, we're going to tie the two together, and we want to prepare our hearts for a response. The worst thing we could do is show up week in and week out this Christmas season and not respond to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us. And so we're going to create some room, and these two accounts in particular are kind of like bookends to the nativity. Luke chapter 2 starts with the announcement of Jesus' birth, and we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, which ends, which is the final piece of the nativity picture. The last one on the scene, so to speak, the wise men, the magi. And it's, even, it's interesting that the Magi actually didn't come when Jesus was first born. It was actually several months later. But we include it in the nativity, and it's part of the birth narrative, and I think for good reason. But before we read these two accounts, the two passages here, I ran across a classic story you may be familiar with called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I found it this week, and I looked and pulled it off the shelf at the library, started flipping through it, and it's a classic story by Robert Fulgham. And what it is, it's a book of wisdom. And in the first chapter, he takes uh, just an enormous list of the things that he learned in kindergarten. Things like this, to share everything. Number two, to play fair. Number three, don't hit people. Good one, right? Don't bite people, right? I I put that in. But uh, put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. I'm still working on that one. I know, Jessica's saying. Uh, Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. You learned that in kindergarten. Wash your hands before you eat. I like number nine. 
flush. How many things? And I would add in there sometimes double flush, right? <laughs> and then number 10, I'll end on this one, although the list goes on and on. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. How many would agree, right? Right, it's a book of wisdom. Then he goes on for the rest of the, the book and talks about things he's learned and just practical wisdom. But related to the nativity, I want to put a little twist on this and try this concept out for size. All we really need to know about the gospel, we can learn from the nativity. And with that, we want to look at these two accounts together. And we want to see the gospel come alive. And with that, in Luke chapter 2, that's going to be the first place we see the story where the shepherds are come on the scene. Let's look at it. Verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Everybody, show me your most terrified look. Whoa, <laughs> good, good ones, yeah. All right, all right, good. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has been happening, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in their heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things he had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the book and number one. We see the story, the nativity from the shepherds point of view. It's the announcement of Christ. It's on the front end of the story. Now, let's go to the end of the story, where at the very last piece of the nativity, Matthew chapter 2, where the magi uh, show up. Let's look at it. Verse 1 says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw him in his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Then King Herod heard this and was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with them. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and in Judea, they replied, for this is what was written. Uh, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judea or of Judah. Uh, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. 
Then Herod heard or called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen from the east went ahead of them until it stopped on the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened up their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's the end, the, part, the last part of the story, from the picture of the magi or the wise men point of view. Again, it's at the end of the birth narrative. It's included in the nativity, I think, for good reason. Shepherds and the magi, the wise men, we see them both in every picture of the nativity that there is. You can't take one out. They're both there. But who were these men? It's interesting that in both cases, we don't get a single name, but it is an important, they play an important part of the gospel. Let's talk about the shepherds for a moment. We really don't know what shepherds these were. They were at best common. They were ordinary. They certainly weren't part of a social elite club. But at worst, and probably more likely, the shepherds would have been vile, dirty. The uh, shepherds were considered in that day to be social and religious outcasts. They were probably crude and tough. They're not the type of person you want your sister to marry, or boy, if you've got a daughter, certainly not uh, dating material. That's who the shepherds were. But on the other side, we have the wise men. These magi, we really don't know about them all that much either. Some people say there were three because of the three gifts, but they could have been a whole caravan. We don't know. Magi originally, though, came from Persia. They were part of the priestly order. Later on, they merged into Babylon, and these priests would function as religious and civil and political counsel to the kings. These were important men. They were highly educated in astronomy and astrology, uh, science and religion. And so when we think of the wise men, we think of someone that's wealthy, someone that is more elite. Uh, Some commentators believe that they were God-fearing Gentiles. Others believe that they could have even been a remnant. It could have been Israelites, God-fearing Israelites, uh, left in Babylon and then coming back. We don't know. But for our purposes, I want us to see the contrast here. At first look, in the nativity picture, we have opposites here, total extremes, nothing in common, but they both coexist in the nativity. And this is our first big takeaway for this morning, that the nativity has room for all people, not just kings and priests, Not just the movers and the shakers, but it includes the outcast. It includes the ordinary and the least of these. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, which we read, said for all people. That's good news for the poor and for the rich. That's good news for the weak and for the strong. It's good news for the healthy and for the sick. It's good news for men and for women. It's good news for the young and for the old. A picture of the nativity shows us that Jesus cares 
for those who have been overlooked, typically. He also cares for those that are ruling. Everyone is important in the presence of God. God chooses anyone who will respond in faith. Amen? Amen. So we have shepherds and we have wise men. Certainly they're different. But there are common components here that are amazing. As I studied over the last couple of weeks, and I, I, I just want to remember that all we need to know is from the gospel is found in the nativity. And there were some things that I found from the story. The first thing is that both had a supernatural experience. Let me explain. They both saw something supernatural. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, you can read it there. The shepherds, they saw an angel in the field. Something supernatural, right? They were terrified. They were scared. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the wise men, they saw a star. Some people talk about the star. Was it an astronomical phenomenon? Was it some supernova, some superstar? We don't know, but it was supernatural in nature and to the point that King Herod got disturbed about it. They both saw something supernatural. The next thing I noticed is that they both heard the message. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, they heard the truth of the promise. In the wise men in Matthew 2, verse 6, they says that they took it to heart. So they heard what was said. The next thing is they both made a journey to Bethlehem. This is important. For the shepherds, in verse 16 of Luke, it says that they were tending the sheep outside of Bethlehem, probably three to five miles away. It wasn't a long journey, but it still would have been tough. They would have had someone had to stay with the sheep and then make that journey. It may have cost them something. But on the wise men's side, boy, when you talk about their journey to Bethlehem in verses 8 and 9 uh, in Matthew chapter 2, this was an adventure of a lifetime. In that time of day, or in that time of of life, the average person did not travel more than 35 miles in their entire lifetime away from their birthplace. And for these magi, for these wise men, this was a remarkable expedition, a difficult trip. It may have covered a thousand, up to a thousand miles. It would have taken four to five months to make this trip. But they both journeyed to Bethlehem. The next thing I noticed is that they both encountered Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says they hurried off and they found the baby. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says that on coming to the house, they saw the child. They, They encountered Jesus. And not only did they encounter, then they experienced joy. In verse 10, it says good news of great joy. That's what the angel said. And in verse 17, we see the shepherds experiencing that joy. In verse 10 of chapter 2 of Matthew, Matthew 2 says that they were overjoyed when they came to the house where the star was over. So they're filled with joy, and we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. But then they both believed, had faith, and they gave their best. And I love this. The shepherds in chapter uh, 2, verse 17, says that they spread the word. Verse 20, they left glorifying and praising God. You say, well, they didn't bring anything. Listen, the shepherds didn't have anything to give, but they worshiped, and they became a mouthpiece, a voice to spread the news. And it was awesome. That was a great gift. For the the wise men, we know the gifts. They worshiped first, right, in verse 11. And then they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, they they did this. You say, well, how can these stories relate to us? What can we learn from these? And I want to just go through these components that are seen in both. 
And let's see if we can learn something. The first thing is the supernatural. You say, supernatural, right? Well, listen, we believe in the supernatural. We believe that the Holy Spirit's work can help us and can bring us along and can give us promptings. We do believe that angels still exist and can interrupt our lives. We believe that the voice of God can be spoken. But you say, man, that, that seems out there, right? Well, listen, for all of us, we have no excuse because the Word is a supernatural document. It's a supernatural guide. The Word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And within the Word, we get all that we need and it's supernatural in itself. The next thing is that our goal is to hear the message. We want you to hear the message and to bring us to a place of salvation, to understand His truth, to understand the promise from God's Word. And then our journey that we're on should be pointing to Jesus. It, it, the movement is, should always be to point to Jesus. And our goal is ultimately to encounter Him to encounter Jesus. This is the key. And to put our faith in Jesus, to believe and experience joy unspeakable. I want to talk about this word joy here just for a moment. This idea of joy is kind of a buzzword at Christmas time. And uh, that joy uh, also can be rejoice or celebrate. And when we talk about rejoicing or celebrating the, the goodness of God, how important is that for us as believers to enjoy the favor of Jesus, the joy of the Lord, no matter what? There's an idea of celebration, uh, that we should be celebrating the goodness of God Instead of being so focused on our sin, could we focus on the goodness of God instead? Great joy should separate us as believers from the common person. Not being fake, and like, but to be a genuinely filled with joy. And then that idea of celebration is seen in Scripture. And uh, we know in Revelation chapter 4, the number one thing that will be happening for eternity in heaven is that we will worship God. But what's the number two thing that's happening in heaven right now? And it won't be forever, but well, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Very interesting. In Luke chapter 15, we have three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son story. And in all three cases, we get a picture into what's happening in heaven all the time. Let's look at verse 7. It says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There will be rejoicing when that one sinner, when we reach one more. Then jump down to verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then in verse 32, the end of the prodigal son story, says, but we had to celebrate. Same word. We had to bring joy, right? And be glad, because the brother of yours was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now is found. There is celebration in heaven. Westminster said this, that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy his or enjoy him forever. Listen. There's a celebration in heaven that never stops. You caused it when you crossed over from a sinner to saint, right? 
There's a celebration, or there will be a celebration if you haven't given your heart to the Lord. Practically speaking, we need to be counting our blessings. We need to enjoy the journey. We need to smile more. And what's great is that uh, in both cases, for the shepherds and for the wise men, joy was found in the same place. Not in the manger, not in the nativity, not in Bethlehem, not in the star. Joy was found in the person of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? And you have not experienced real joy until your sins are forgiven. Listen, the shepherds, the wise men, they believed, they were filled with joy. And then the last thing in our list is that they gave their best gifts to Jesus. You talk about the gifts, and again, I said earlier, the shepherds at first look says, man, they didn't have anything to give, but they worshiped God, they worshiped Jesus, and then they left, and I believe they used a spiritual gift, they proclaimed, uh, they were evangelistic, and uh, their, the, their gift was themselves that God used to spread the word. Now, the gifts for the wise men of gold, which represented royalty, the incense, which represented the deity of Christ, and then the myrrh talked about the humanity of Christ, and now that's an interesting study. We won't get into all of that. At first glance, though, you say, man, were these the right gifts for, for a baby, right? You don't bring gold and incense and myrrh to a baby shower or when someone has a baby, right? But listen, the, the shepherds, in their case, they didn't have anything. They gave their best. And for the wise men, they gave their best. And what happened was that their gifts became a miracle. For the shepherds, what's interesting is that in that day and age, honesty and integrity of the shepherds was always questioned. They were never allowed to testify in the court of law. But Jesus chose shepherds to advance the gospel story. So their gift of their voice became miraculous. For the wise men, they brought gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And their gifts translated into miracle money. You say, what are you talking about? I liked what one commentator talked about. He, he acknowledged that right after the Magi were there, the very next verse in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, what happened? Mary and Joseph, a young couple that had already made a journey to Bethlehem that would have been costly, they had to flee for their lives. How do you get on the run without work? And how would you support a family? They escaped to Egypt and then back to Nazareth later. The gold could have went a long way. Now, did they sell the gold? Did they sell the incense? Did they sell the myrrh? We don't know. You can't prove that. But I like the idea that that gift from the magi, from the wise men, became a miracle. In both cases, the gifts resulted in a miracle on the other side. You tracking with me? So let's talk about this. It's a season of giving for us. And certainly that can res respond to the just, you know, the gifts we give each other at Christmas time. We had our staff and board Christmas party and we, you know, gave gifts and that's always fun and it's just a joy to do that. But what other types of gifts could we give this year? How about supernatural gifts? spiritual gifts? How about you bring a word of encouragement into someone's life? Or how about you give the gift of time? Or, I put it in my notes, cookies baked and given could be miraculous, right? 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. But how about a gift of faith for real? You bring a gift of faith or a gift of generosity. See, your gift is someone else's miracle. A word of knowledge at the right time in the right place can give direction that is needed. A gift of hospitality is you become Jesus with flesh on. Or a gift of healing, you pray for someone and God uses you in that uh, setting to bring wholeness. Your gift becoming a miracle. Or you begin to share or begin to invite to a Christmas Eve type service. And that gift of evangelism, that speaking up, translates into salvation. There's a miracle on the other side. You tracking with me? Let me give you a couple examples just here at the Gateway Church recently and then as we move forward. Our giving sets up miracles. I believe this. Think about the shoeboxes that we did, 156 shoeboxes just last month, and we, we sent those off. On the other side of our gift is a miracle. Those kids will open those boxes, and they'll get Jesus, and they'll get something practical. It's a miracle on the other side. Let's talk about the hygiene drive. You say, well, how do we fund that? And then we're going to plan to do that most likely in February. Listen, for every dollar that you give of your tithes and offerings, this is, comes from you. We are able to fund that because the church has decided to give 10% to missions to reach out in a local fashion to make a difference right here on the lakeshore. And so your faithfulness and your giving is going to result in a miracle on the other side for someone at our winter stock up. It's going to be beautiful. And we, we've seen it before, and it's even going to be better this year, I believe. Let's talk about our building project for a moment. We talk about that type of giving. You give and you, you say, man, am I giving to, to buy a brick or to buy a chair or you know, to put in the lights or whatever the case might be. Listen, on the other side of your giving is a miracle. We are setting up miracles. There will be lives changed. We will be able to advance the gospel. And just by your giving and our deciding to say, you know what, we're going to build debt-free with the Lord's help. Our determination to do that and uh, the word has gotten out, there will be favor and has been with the city already. There will be favor with suppliers. Just this week, we had a, a call um, from, a, from a guy that is a wholesaler that sells to the supply houses. And he said, hey, if we can help you in the, your journey, listen, that's the favor of God. On the other side of your giving, there are going to be miracles. I believe that. The bottom line is that this is a season for giving, and we want to give of ourselves, of our time, our talent, of our worship, right? We want to do that to the glory of God. See, everything we need to know about the gospel, we can learn from the nativity. And I want to boil it down with three closing thoughts and then respond. What was found at the nativity? The first thing that was found was salvation. Both the magi and the shepherds, they found Jesus. And I just want to say, if you're here today and you're lost, or maybe you're away from the Lord, and lost in the sense that you don't have a Savior, your sins have not been forgiven, you can find Jesus. You can find salvation today. What else was found at the nativity was joy, joy unspeakable. 
And I want to just pause here for a second. I understand, uh, and I really felt this in my preparation, that there are people that really lack joy in the season. And we're going to come, we're going to address that. If you need joy, really joy comes out of the presence of God, and we're going to uh, offer you a solution there. So salvation, joy, and then what else was found at the nativity? There were gifts. And I, as we think about that, I just ask you, who here would want to be a miracle worker? Wouldn't that be great? So they brought gifts of worship to Jesus. God, Jesus doesn't want our stuff or uh, anything like that. He wants our hearts, and we can bring that to Him. But then our spiritual gifts as well, discernment and faith, maybe generosity. I've seen this at work right here at the Gateway Church. In the last few weeks, it's been a really beautiful story. Some of you know about it. There was a single mom that attends here on occasion, and her transmission went out in her car. Really tragic. It was a newer car, only 80,000 miles. It really shouldn't have happened. And the transmission goes out really lost, not knowing what to do. They contacted me, we kind of heard about it, and I'm like, well, okay, what's going on? You know, and we made some connections, and what's interesting is the very next week, weekend, I'm pulling into my neighborhood, and there's a car out for sale that's kind of like in the low end, you know, uh, kind of a beater, but uh, I, I stopped initially to look for Pastor Bobby because uh, he's got a car that's coming up for lease, and I was like, hey, Bobby, you're going to need a cheap car, and I thought, hey, maybe this would be it, whatever, and, uh, and it didn't work out that way, but, uh, but I stop, I get out of the car, and my son and I are together, he's in the car, and I'm looking at the car, I took a picture of the for sale sign, and I look back, and there's a guy getting in my car, and I like freak out for a second. It was a guy that is, I'd only known for a few weeks. He'd been coming to Financial Peace University with his daughter. Cool story. I'm like, oh, Jim, okay, all right, I'm not going to have to, you know, get my knife out, right? I mean, I, I was ready, I was ready. I mean, he's getting in my car with my son, and, you know, I mean, I didn't know if he was going to take off, whatever. But anyway, where is Logan? I don't know, anyway. <laughs> Where's my son? <laughs> I was just talking about. Nope, that's not my son. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Focus. Oh, the transmission, this car. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So this guy, I said, oh, yeah, yo, I'm always at my eye out for inexpensive cars. I'm, you, know, you know I'm the pastor of the church, and there's always someone that needs an inexpensive car. And I said, and by the way, and I don't even know why I said it, I said there's a lady in our church uh, right now, a single mom, that could really use a car. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, I've got a car that's just sitting for the next couple months because my daughter won't be able to drive till the, till the new year. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, oh, she could use it. We make the connection. And she hasn't had to miss any work this month. On the other side of his giving was a miracle for this mom. You understand? So you see what I'm saying? Then it goes on and we said, all right, well, we want to help her and see if we can help her. So we hook her up with a couple in the church that is great in these circumstances. She sits down, talks about budgeting, talks about uh, their finances. This couple not only blesses her with her time, but then takes her to a Dave Ramsey event in Grand Rapids. How about that? It was so cool. But on the other side of their time, the gift of their time, this was a miracle for this single mom. 
it goes on, and that couple said, hey, we, someone needs to step up and help her with this card. Something's not right. And so there's a mechanic in our church. We reached out, and the mechanic said, yeah, I'll meet with her. I'll talk with her. And they've been in contact. And, and on the other side of his time, again, is a miracle for this mom. And I've just got a front row seat to it. Now I'm sharing it with you. And what, that's what happens. Just before I go on, I'm just going to be bold to say there's still a part of the story. Another miracle still needs to happen. It's been a few weeks and she still needs her transmission fixed. And I was just praying and just believing. I was planning on sharing, but not this part. But could it be that someone here would have the ability to say, you know what, I can help her out, get this thing done, bring a full circle, and maybe your giving would be the final part of this story, final miracle for her? I don't know. But that's how it works in the kingdom of God. Our giving on the other side turns into miracles. And I love that. And with God's help, we can live that way. Let's pray. Lord, we just give you everything. We want to respond like the shepherds, like the wise men. God, I pray that you would just capture our hearts this morning. And in these next few moments, God, that we would realize that you are for us and not against us and you're on our team and, Lord, that you want to help us, you want to work through us. You want to meet us right here to bring us great joy, to bring us to a place of salvation and bring us to a place where you can use us to be a miracle for someone else. God, let it be. Let it be. Do it again, I pray. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first point I want to make in this altar response is just to give you an opportunity. I don't know everyone here. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've never surrendered your heart to Him, or maybe you served Him at one point and you're away from him. You're not sure if you would go to heaven if you were to die today. Listen, there's no reason to walk out of these doors without settling that in your heart. We'd like to offer the free gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord and would like to receive that free gift of salvation, would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but who this morning says, man, we had two First service, a husband and wife who's beautiful, give their hearts to the Lord. But who, this service, is the Lord drawing, saying, man, I need to get my life right with Jesus. Anyone at all? Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Who else this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Got two individuals. Anyone else? saying, that's, that's just where I am. I need the Lord to save me today. Okay. I want to address the second point, and then we're going to come back. That second point is of joy. I really sense that there are people that really struggle this time of year to find joy. Maybe it's relationships, or maybe it's just the whole financial pressure and gift buying and all those things. Or maybe 
It's, a, it's something that where you've had some loss in your family, maybe a lost loved one, and the holidays are never easy. But how many this morning would just say, man, I need an extra dose of joy this year. Yeah, yeah, who else? Yeah, lots of hands. God, help us. God, help us. Yeah. God is going to help you here in a minute on that. But then there's a third piece, that gift giving. See, we wa- I, I want to be the first to respond. I want to be the type of person that God could use to bring a miracle into someone's life. And that's what our gifts do. And it could be our gift of time. It could be a gift of finances. It could be a gift of a word of encouragement or other spiritual gifts. But how many here this morning would say, Pastor, I want to be that type of person where God could use me to be a miracle giver. Just raise your hand right where you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's all stand. And I want to just give you an opportunity to respond. If you raise your hands for any of those things, any of those three, we're going to sing a song to set our hearts before the Lord. And we believe we're going to find joy in the presence of God. We're going to prepare our hearts for that we could be used to be gift givers, to bring miracles. But I'm going to ask that you would do something, that you would respond by stepping out from where you are and come to an altar and just settle this with the Lord. If you raise your hand for salvation, I want you to come and receive. And let's just worship the Lord together. Let's do that. Join me here at the altar. Thank you, Lord. So here in this moment, I want to lead us in a miracle prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the words inside that that kind of bring our hearts in alignment with what God has for us. And just to encourage the two that responded, would you repeat this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. Come into my life and make my heart clean. I believe in you, that you came to earth, you died on a cross, and now live in heaven. I give my heart to you. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's just join the angels and rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise your name. Praise your name. Now, this next part, I just believe, happens in community, that we can bring joy to a circumstance. And so what I like to do whether you are struggling or not, I want every person to find someone, just put your hand on their shoulder, and I want you to pray a prayer to, that the Lord would fill them with joy. And then let them pray for you. And let's just do that here. Just, uh, uh, just husbands with wives is fine. Just kind of find someone, put a hand on their shoulder. Let's make sure no one is missing. All right, now just while we continue in attitude of worship, just pray. Let's just spend a moment just believing that God is going to fill them with joy. Let's speak joy. Let's speak life over those that are near us. Oh, God, have your way. God, fill us, God, with your joy unspeakable. God, that you would do a mighty work. Oh, Lord, I pray. God, in the presence, your presence, there's fullness of joy. And now, Lord, fill us, God. 
to overflowing, God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for my brothers and my sisters, especially that are struggling, God. Lord, whether it's the finances or it's the relationships or it's just the stress of the season or maybe experiencing loss, God, I pray that you would fill them, God, with overflowing, God. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for your joy, oh God. Thank you for your joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Speak in Jesus' name. Speak life. Speak joy. Oh, God, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, one last thing. I'm just going to ask everyone to just real boldly to raise your hands towards heaven. Make yourself like you're a cup that you can receive from the Lord. And this is just symbolic. But I want you to know that, that uh, this next portion really doesn't matter about who's around you. This is between you and God. And I believe that God can fill you for, to make you a gift where there's a miracle on the other side that he can use you. And so if you're interested in that, I want you just to lift your hands towards heaven and just begin to ask God to, to use you in a powerful way to bring a gift, to bring life, to bring a miracle into someone else's life this year, this season. Let's just pray all across the place. Come on. Oh, God, use me. Lord, I pray that you choose us, God. Lord, anoint us for the task at hand. God, that your power and your presence, God, will be upon us, God. Lord, that you do an incredible work. God, that our gifts would bring miracles. Gifts bringing miracles into people's lives to bring joy, to bring salvation, God. Oh, God, fill us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be active in our lives. I just declare it in Jesus' name. Lord, use us in your Holy Spirit gifts. Jesus' name. Pour out in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I just believe that God is giving some ideas of gifts right in this moment. He's bringing things to mind that maybe you have thought in the past but didn't follow through with. And God wants to do that. He may be speaking to someone in regards to the single mom or another circumstance. Let's just be open to those ideas, those God ideas, where our time or our resources result in a miracle on the other side. Oh, God, I pray you just speak to us by your supernatural spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 So this is the picture that I want us all to leave with this morning. I want you to see yourself saved, right? Full of joy. And I want you to see yourself commissioned 
that God will use you this week, this season, to bring the miraculous to someone else. God is going to lead you. He's going to He's going to anoint you for that task at hand. You say, man, I've never, that, that seems crazy. Listen, you are equipped because you have Jesus inside of you to bring light to a dark world. And it could be a gift of evangelism to invite someone to our Christmas Eve at a bare minimum. Or it could be doing something extravagant or, or just providing a, spending some time with someone. But could we be Holy Spirit directed this week, this season? Lord, I pray it in Jesus' name. In every circumstance here, that you would choose us to bring light, to bring your life. God, that you would just pour out on us. And as you do it, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. For your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name name. And all God's people said, amen and amen, amen. You have been commissioned. Now go in the grace of God. You can turn and greet one another. Or if you need extra prayer, we would be happy to pray with you. Continue to do so. Otherwise, we love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God.